What a great story that is. What a great uh, example of thankfulness, and we ought to live up to that. I appreciate that song that really captured it well. In Isaiah 43, verse number 21, and uh, I was just looking through the scripture and just trying to find some scripture to, uh, as a drop-off point or a hop-off point for my message tonight. I'm going to be also going to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, but Isaiah 43, I thought this was an interesting passage. We know that Israel is a great example to us today. Uh, not for good necessarily, but they, they set an example for us, especially the, war, the way the Lord deals with Israel. And in this passage, the Lord is talking about Israel. Notice what he says in verse 21. The, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. So what he's saying is, I formed these people. I created Israel. They're a covenant people, amen? They weren't created by land boundaries. They weren't created by uh, languages. They were actually created by God's covenant, by God's promise. Just like we are as a church, as God's people. We are created, uh, the Bible calls us a holy nation. But where's our boundaries? Where's our (laughs) land that we live in? Well, our land is not on this earth, amen? But we are very special people. The same thing, we have been formed for God that they shall show forth my praise. Then he goes on to somewhat rebuke Israel because they're not living up to the praising that they were supposed to be formed for. And it goes on to say, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast bought me no sweet cane with money. No sweet cane with money. Neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. And will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father hath sinned. And thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary. And have given Jacob to the curse. And Israel to reproaches. And what is this about? It's about not fulfilling the reason that they were formed. They were formed as a nation that they would show forth the praises of God to the world. Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to be a nation that would lift up God and within strong boundaries, within boundaries of holiness and righteousness, where the world could see the light shine. But they didn't do that. They turned away from the Lord. They, be, they began to become weary with God. They brought no sweet cane, he says. I remember I heard an old preacher many years ago. It's around the time that I got saved. It was the same preacher that preached the message where I did receive Christ as my Savior. And he preached a message on sweet cane. And basically what that is, is what I talked about this morning. 
as we go through the trials of life, we don't offer him the thanks and we don't glorify him even though we're going through hard times. See, it costs something. It's a sacrifice of praise. So here we see that God tells his people that we were created or born to praise him. We cannot be praised to him if we refuse to praise him or to be thankful to him. Ephesians 1 verse 3, I'll get you to turn there. I'm going to spend some time within this passage and uh, hopefully I'm not going to take a lot of time tonight. I just had three things that I want to talk about in the book of Ephesians. And this, this book has always touched my heart. Uh, after I got saved, I wasn't a Bible scholar. Amen. When you get saved, you don't know a whole lot. And I didn't know a whole lot. In fact, I probably never read totally through a book of the Bible until I started reading the book of Ephesians. And I was struggling with who I was in, in Christ. And, um, and I remember the battle I went through because I felt the Lord was wanting me to do something, but I didn't think that I could do it. And I just thought, no, you got the wrong guy here. I mean, I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I'm just one of these quiet guys. I, I don't want to you know, get in the ministry and stuff like that. But he began to work in my heart, and, and so I had to settle who I was. And Ephesians is that kind of book. And so many of these passages over the years have just spoken to my heart. But starting in verse number 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So God, before he even formed the world, already had the plan for you to become holy and without blame. He knew the fall would come. He knew that Adam was sin. He knew that condemnation would come upon mankind, but even with all the foreknowledge of everything he knew was going to happen after he started creating the world, he already preordained that even though sin was going to come, it's still my purpose for everybody to live in holiness and without blame before me. But that's a problem because we sinned. How can you, how can you stand before God without blame if you've got blame, <laughs> amen, because we all do. Well, that's why immediately after the fall in Genesis 3.15, he went to Adam and Eve and he told him about the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. And we know that's Jesus Christ who came and died as a propitiation for our sins so that he could take away our sins and present us faultless before the very glory of God. See, that... That, that eternal purpose that was, was programmed before the world even began was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, <clears throat> this next passage here, it, I want you to look at the phrase, the phrase here as we go through this. is having predestinated us. Don't worry about the word predestination. It's not Calvinism. <laughs> Amen? Having predestinated us, Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That means that those that receive Christ have been predestinated to become adopted into the family of God. Aren't you glad about that? 
Then it goes on to say, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. What is he, what's the wherein? Now that's a preposition, right? Or no, that's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I had it, it went. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein, so when the word wherein is talking about, it's talking about position. It's saying that within something, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Well, he said, the very thing that we have been accepted in is the very thing we're supposed to be the praise of, the glory of his, what's the word? Grace. In the grace, we've been made accepted in the beloved. Amen? That's where the wearing is, all right? It goes on to say, in whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So, how do you praise God with your life? You're formed for it. God actually created you and formed you to be a praise to him. So that's your purpose. And you know what, Jacob, Israel, they didn't fulfill that, and it turned out pretty bad for them. (laughs) So what we want to do as the church, as individuals, as born-again believers, is to take seriously this place that we have of being to the praise of the glory of his grace. We're created for that. (laughs) And we'll see that phrase mentioned three times in this particular passage. And in this first time, it's relating to the adoption into God's family. So you, you as a child of God are supposed to show forth the grace, the, the, the glory of the grace of God to mankind. That's the praise you're supposed to give this world. Now, how do I do that? Well, you look at the scripture. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we're supposed to shine as lights in this world as the children of God. So as you shine as a light, that's a way that you show forth the praise of God. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about walking like the children of God, like a son of God. All of these things, as you study the scripture, will show you how that you actually can give forth the praise to the glory of his grace by your adoption. Amen? So that means something. Your adoption means something for your purpose. And that's one thing that we ought to praise God for. We are placed into God, into, in, as a child, into God's family. This is made possible by redemption and acceptation. So redemption, he redeemed you, and acceptation, he accepted you. <laughs> now anybody says, well, I'm not accepted. Well, you are. I'm unacceptable, you've been accepted. If you're born again here today, you're accepted. Amen? Isn't that great? How can you, from the beginning of time, he says, I've chosen you to be, with, to be before me, holy and without blame, in love, and now he says to you as a sinner, you're accepted. You know what that means? That you're already before him, holy, without blame, in love through the redemption, through the blood of Christ that he shed for you. We can approach God as our Father, not just a divine being. You see, many religions, they talk about a God. They have a God. 
But you don't understand that our God is not just a God. Our God is our Father. Because we're adopted. Amen. That's why Jesus, uh, you know, as he spoke to the disciples, said in Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. He was teaching them how to talk to God. He said, don't just talk to him as your creator. And you can say, Lord, you are my creator and you are the creator of the world. There's nothing wrong with that. But never forget that your relationship with him is far more than he's just your creator. He's your father. Now today, many times, uh, this is why I think a lot of the times the devil tries to mess up families. He wants to mess up your idea of what a father is. And he does that because he doesn't want you to have a good view of this father in heaven. But we need to understand something, that the father in heaven is a different kind of father than even I am as a father. That father in heaven, he takes care of me. He cares about everything I do. I can come before him anytime. I mean, my kids, uh, even though I might be working, and you'd come to my house, and, you, and I'd be working in the office, and you'd say, oh, Pastor, uh, you mind if I come in and talk to you? Or maybe, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd wait there for 10 minutes because you're scared. <laughs> Amen. My kids don't do that. You know what they do? Dad! <laughs> and that's the relationship you have with him. You can come boldly before his throne. You don't have to wait outside like some visitor, like someone that doesn't belong. You are his child. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. And he's available 24-7, 365 days a year. Amen. He's available to you. And you never have to really even knock. You can just go right in, (laughs) boldly before his throne. How can a sinner that was on their way to hell now come before God? So, so boldly and stand before his presence. Well, that's because of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. As we go forth in this world, we're supposed to show forth the praise of the glory of his grace. You know what that is when you can go before the throne like that? That is by the grace of God. Folks, when you want to be an example on your job to your family, You just talk to them about how you can talk to your Father in Heaven. You know, they're all thinking about their rituals and maybe their wafers and this, that, or the other. And you say, can I tell you about my my Father? He wants to talk to me all day long. He never neglects me. He takes care of all of my needs. And when I'm hurting, He picks me up. Amen. Well, I'll tell you something. God wants you to show forth that praise to this world. That's a part, that's why you're formed. That's why you've been adopted into the family of God. He wants you to show that relationship to this world. Amen? How important that is. The second one we have here is, notice what it says next. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purpose in himself. And you notice that throughout this passage, he's talking about that he has a good pleasure. That means this is what pleases me. This is what I wanted to do because I just wanted to do it because it pleases me. Amen? So when he adopted you into his family, he says, this pleases me. I am pleased by you being in my family. Amen? He never second-guessed that. It wasn't like you entered in and he says, oh, well, I should have second thought that. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have let them in. No, sir. He knew what that was going to be like before you entered in. Amen. 
And when you entered into his family, he accepted you, he loved you, and he's been loving you ever since. Folks, that's how we got to show this world. That's the God they need to see. Amen? It goes on to say that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. I love those little words, those little sentences in there. He says, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Amen? You know what that means? That means just God just does what he wants to do. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing the devil can do about it. There's nothing the world can do about it. When God made a decision, he says, this is the way it's going to be. That is the way it's going to be. And when you're looking at this, what he's saying is that I've given you a purpose. I've given you a purpose to the praise of the glory of God's grace. I think of the Apostle Paul, how he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. You know, many times we get stuck in this rut, not doing what God wants us to do. And most of the time that's because we just doubt that we can do it. I can't do that. I was there. <laughs> I was there at the beginning after I got saved. And I was like, you know, what, what do I do here? I don't have these, these capabilities. I see my pastor up there and preaching. I'm just like, what in the world? I could never do that. You know, I can never be used like that. I, I couldn't uh, help people and, and be a light to people and, and help families. Like, what in the world, Lord? You made a mistake here. He says, oh, no. <laughs> this is according to the counsel of my will. In other words, there's nothing you can do about this. This is my plan. And the Bible says that his callings are without repentance. Now, Lord, you don't understand. I want you to change your mind about this. He says, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you don't understand, like Moses and the, you know, uh, you know, when he was asked to go deliver Israel. But you know, I, I just can't speak. See, <laughs> you know, <I'm> <laughs> he says, I'll tell you what, I'll make a way for you to be used even though you can't speak. Isn't that something? I mean, Moses was looking for every reason not to do it. <laughs> and God just kept saying, No, this is what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen. Isn't that wonderful? Like for me, when I began to look at the will of God for my life, I was afraid of it. <laughs> I was afraid of it because, and it's not like I had a better, better alternative plan. <laughs> it's not like I figured something else out and I was thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'd rather do. In fact, I was pretty lost. I was like, didn't know which way to go. And the Lord comes to me and says, you know what? I've got something that I want you to do for the rest of your life. You know, many of us, we bounce around for years and years. What are we going to do? Oh, I'm going to go to school for this. And we don't finish school because I don't want to do that. And we try something else and this, that we're back and forth. And we're thinking somehow, this is what God wants me to do. Now, he may want you to go through some doors like that and take some training and get a career and get a job and all these different things that you can do. But can I tell you something? That's not the purpose that he's talking about. He's not talking about your career, amen? What he's talking about is what you can become and have an eternal impact. That's why you were formed. 
Now, he may say, I want you to be this or I want you to be that. And in order to do this, I want you to learn how to be an electrician or maybe I need a plumber or maybe you need to be a framer or whatever your, your whole thing is. Uh, I don't know. That's what you'll have to talk to God about that. Can I tell you something? That is not the whole purpose of God for you. There is something far greater. You saying, preacher, that all of us here are supposed to be called to the mission field? Well, you might. <laughs> you know, I'm for that. But do you understand that even as a member of Energy Baptist Church, that God has a purpose for you here? It's not, it's not a place to warm the seat. It's a place for you to become a part of the body. A part of the body. Just like your hand. Your hand... It goes with you wherever you go. The Bible says that we're all like members of one body. You know? I know one thing. I don't take a knife and cut my hand off. You'd say, well, that's crazy. Just as crazy as cutting someone else in the church. Same thing. We're all one body. (laughs) Amen? It's truth. And see, folks, we need to understand that within this context here that God has a, a plan and a purpose... And he wants to mess that up for you, the devil. The devil wants to keep you from fulfilling that purpose. And he tried to do that with me many times. I had many people that came along and tried to get me disgruntled and tried to get me to turn away. And man, I had to set my face as a flint towards God's purpose for my life. I remember even in the midst of a lot of rebellion there, I had to make a decision that, you know what? I'm going to do the will of God. Remember I told you about that situation in the college where there was that, that group of people that was trying to take over the college? They were actually trying to take it over. They didn't pay the tax bill because go into a type of, uh, um, what is the thing? Arrears. What's that? Arrears. Arrears. So that they would bail it and take it over. During that time, you know where I was going to college? Right there. <laughs> I was in that college. At, but you know what? For me, I knew there was something going on. But at the same time, you know what? It had nobody took me away from God's will. Hey, there's a mark on you. And the devil wants to take you out of God's will. And don't let anything do it. Job, money, people, family. I don't care what it is. Stay true. Stay true to the path that God has called you to. It's a purpose I didn't understand. But you know what kept me going forward? That God had a purpose for my life. I just kept on going. I kept on going right through it. And the Lord opened up doors. I keep telling people when, I, when the Lord called me and I surrendered to that and started getting trained, it was like the door, my head was spinning from the doors that God was opening in front of me. And, and I was no great person. I didn't know a whole lot. But the Lord just says, you've got a heart to go forward. I'm going to open up these doors. That's what brought me to Kenora. That's why we have an alley sitting here today and a Marina and, and a Joel and Willem. Because in the midst of that, I just went and did what I was supposed to do. Oh, I'll tell you something, folks. That is the eternal purpose of God. And I look forward to what all of these folks and more are going to do for eternity. Because you know what? The Lord used me in their life. Maybe just a little bit to help them. Amen. Oh, don't give up on the eternal purpose of God. He... 
He says, I, I've made known unto you the mystery of my will. You know what a mystery is? It's something that is hidden that he reveals to you. It's not something that remains hidden. But it's something that was hidden. But then becomes revealed. And you say, preacher, do you know the will of God? Well, this is what I do know. I know what the will of God has been. I know what the will of God is. But I'm still not sure what the will of God will be. Because that's in his hands. Say, preacher, you're, you're in the ministry for 20 years. You still don't know if this is the will. Like I said, I know what was. I know what is. But I don't know what shall be. Do you understand that? In, in all ways, you're in the same position I am. You're in the same place. <laughs> See, a lot of people, I remember even in college, what they would do is, they would, we would sit around and we'd talk about what we're going to do, <laughs> you know. I remember got, hot shots coming. There's hot shot preacher boys. They'd come in. Oh, this is what God's called me to. And they'd be talking about this and this. But then I saw them in their daily life. And I realized that that wasn't lining up with this. And the Lord began to teach me. And he said to me, the will of God is only under your feet. It's not on the horizon. You know how many people that I've seen shooting for the horizon that never got there because they never stayed in the will of God under their feet? <laughs> Let's say there's a horizon right over there. And this is the will of God. And the Lord says, do this. The Lord says, do this. And also he says, oh, go here. Maybe this is a better place to preach. And he brings you around. This is the way his will is. And I don't know where I'm going, Lord. <laughs> the will of God isn't uh, something that's laid out before you, like you would look at a map and know exactly what route you're going to take. But what it is, it's turn right here. Thank you, Martha. <laughs> turn right, turn left there. Go straight another mile. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking along, I'm going to get the feedback. All of a sudden, I'm at the horizon. See? But I wouldn't get to the horizon if I wouldn't have stayed under the will of God under my feet. You understand that? You could be a hotshot Christian. You can talk about all the things that you're going to do for God. Don't worry what you're going to do. Just be concerned of what you're doing. Because if you're not doing it now, you won't do it tomorrow. You understand that? And if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it tomorrow, you won't do it next week. And I can pretty well guarantee that you're not going to do it next year. And so we got Christians that are living their life out of the will of God. <laughs> because one day, I'll find what God wants for me. No, God has it for you right today. October the 9th, 2022. There is a will of God for you tonight, right under your feet. What is that will of God? What does he want you to do? If you're not going to take this step, how are you going to take the one tomorrow? You understand what I'm saying? That's what the Lord taught me as I was looking at the hot shots. You know, the reason I think I could do that is because I was always scared to go forward. <laughs> I didn't, I say, Lord, I don't want to go there. I'm scared to go there. 
I don't want to be a preacher over there. And so he began to teach me that just do this today. And I remember being asked to preach my first time and it was overwhelming. And I just thought, how in the world am I going to do this? And, and it's just like, okay, I got to do this now. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing after this, but this is what I'm doing right now. And I began to look at my life like that. And as I did that, the Lord began to open doors because I kept looking at right now what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen? Too many people are focused on the forever. You know? That's why even with Paul and Allie, when they came over here, I, I believed it was God's will for them to be here. And I believe that's true. I think in your hearts you sense that. But you know, for their life, I'm not someone who's going to put a chain on them. Right now, the will of God is under their feet. They're saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do. But you know what? God can do whatever he wants to do with that couple. And if next year they get called to Timbuktu, you know what we're going to do? We're going to support them to get there. Because all that matters is what God wants. He reveals the mystery of the will. Amen. He's the one that has the plan. You need to give God glory in that. The world needs to see how you operate. They need to see that you're not just a, a fly-by-night Christian. <laughs> they need to see someone that's, that's looking at the will of God as being faithful today and continually being faithful. And I, I was talking even this morning again, like I did last time about that example. There's that repeated stroke, that repeated strike. It takes time and time again. And, and so that's why the Bible says with God, the Israel became weary of him. Because God is just too much of the same thing. It's just like, uh, Lord, where's the excitement? Where's the, where's the things that, uh, the big, big shows? <laughs> he just says, day after day, day after day. Keep at it. Keep being faithful. Keep doing the will of God. And he says, I will open the door at the right time. Amen. We're given a purpose to praise, to the praise of the glory of God's grace. Last one here. It says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. In whom ye trusted, goes on to say in verse 12, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So God's given us an inheritance. And this inheritance is to the praise of God's glory. It's not just for you. It's not just, oh, this is mine. I'm going to enjoy this by myself. God says, I've given you this inheritance so that you can praise my glory. Amen. Now, what's that inheritance? Well, first off, most of the inheritance has, is yet to come. Most of the inheritance is still in glory. That means you've only got a small portion of what it is that you're going to get. Amen? Basically, your inheritance, your estate, your inheritance, because of the death of the, of the testator. Amen? See, because of there was a death, there's an inheritance that's been passed down. And you get it. You guys like getting an inheritance? Now, nobody likes to see people die to get the inheritance. But if you get an inheritance, that's a pretty decent thing. 
And I've heard people that got some. They say, oh, I got this much money. It's, oh, wow, what are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> then they decide what they're going to do with their inheritance. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, all of us have received inheritance. Now, let me ask you, what did he give you? Well, the first thing is a very general statement. He gave you everything that he owns. Do you understand that? When there's the death of the testator, everything that that person owns goes to the adopted children. So you got it. Now, a lot of that is future. But we also have some right now. That's why the Bible says, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. See, this is why it's so important for us to understand that salvation is secure. That once you're saved, you're always saved. You cannot lose it. Because if you're saying you can lose it, you cannot praise God this way. You know, I've told people that believe they can lose their salvation, teach me this, and I would take them to this passage. I said, when you got saved, the Bible says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and you're going to be sealed until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. See, that praises him. See, a lot of people, especially religions, what they try to do is they try to make you think that salvation is about your praise. But it's not. I remember I went to one door one time, and I, I asked them, I said, do you know for sure that if you were to die, that you would go to heaven? And now, I was in Mennonite country, all right? That's where I grew up. And so he says, no, I don't, and neither do you. <laughs> I says, okay. <laughs> he knew what I knew. <laughs> I just said, um, well, let me explain something. And he, and he says, it, and it's proud for you to think so. Now, immediately, I know what he's talking about because he thinks that the reason my salvation would continue on and I would know it is the way that I perform. You know, if you perform well, and then you can know that you're going to heaven. But now he says, no, you don't, because there's no way you can perform good enough. I says, you're right. <laughs> but I'm not telling you I know I'm going to heaven because of what I've done. I'm telling you that I know I'm going to heaven because of what he has done, not me. Now he's looking at me because he's been told his whole life that salvation is by works, that it's by something that you do. And so by me, even hinting at the aspect of knowing I'm going to be saved is like, oh, you're full of pride because you think you're performing that well. But when, it, when the praise is about God, when it's about what Christ has done, see, then it changes things. Then can you imagine these people facing God, trying to take praise for something that he did for them freely? Wow. Wow. I remember one other man, he was a Pennsylvanian Mennonite. And um, they're slightly different in some of their doctrines. Um, quite a few doctrines, actually. They were nice people, but they were pretty messed up. And I asked him, I says, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? 
And he looks at me, well, when I was younger, I would say no. But now that I'm older, yeah, I, I think I know now. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, when I was younger, I messed up a lot. And so there's no way I could maintain my salvation. But now that I'm older and mature, now that I know how to do things better, and now that I'm a better Christian and I'm, and I'm more uh, pious towards the things of God, now I think I know. Now who's getting the praise there? <laughs> Amen. The Bible says that you're sealed unto the day of redemption for the praise of his glory. There's no way you can take credit for it. Nope. When I explained this to the one fellow that was struggling with this, because in the Mennonite world, I've dealt with, with hundreds and hundreds of people, and most of them have been taught you can lose your salvation. Most of them. I mean, I rarely meet someone that actually believes that before they come to our church. And so you're sitting down with a lot of people, <laughs> you know, and basically, I just said, so here it says, in whom you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel, and I took them to 1 Corinthians 15, death, burial, resurrection, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You notice in that verse there, there's really no periods. It's all just commas. So what that means is, is this, this, this passage, it's continuous action. It's talking about, I'm hearing something, I'm listening to it, I believe it, and then I'm sealed. In the same moment, in the same bit of time, amen? It's not saying, one day I hear, one day I believed, then one day later I got sealed. It's talking about a continuous thing that takes place, and as I believe on it, immediately the Holy Spirit comes in and seals me that moment, just like that. Then he goes on to say, which is the earnest? Is God earnest or not? Would you say that God is earnest? Sure, he's earnest. The same thing you did when you bought a house. You were earnest. I want to buy this. That's, that's how earnest you were. Amen. When he gave you the Holy Spirit, he says, to show you my earnestness. Is I'm going to give you that and seal that in you until the redemption of the purchased possession. See, because the moment you received Christ as your Savior, you were bought. But you weren't completely redeemed. You were redeemed, but you're going to be redeemed. <laughs> Amen. Do you understand that? The day of redemption is when your salvation is complete. How many parts are you? Three, right? There's the spirit, the soul, and the body. When you got saved, you were saved. <laughs> totally saved. You know what you're doing when you're living life? You're being saved. <laughs> you know what you're going to do when the rapture comes? You'll be saved. <laughs> Your spirit, soul, and body. So the completion of this only takes place when the rapture takes place. Now let's go back to the adoption. Romans 8.15. I'll be, I'll be done after this. Romans 8.15 says this. <clears throat> For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen? 
So this adoption that took place where we're supposed to praise God with it is actually a spirit that comes in where now I'm given that spirit, that same spirit that sealed me is called the spirit of adoption. And that spirit of adoption has already been received by you if you're born again. So we're talking something that's already taken place. I'm in the orphanage. He's given me his promise, his seal. I'm coming back to get you. Amen. But until I come back, you've got my spirit. You've got a way to communicate to me any moment of any day. You could say, Abba, Father, and I will answer every time. And I'm coming to get you, son. See, that's the first part of your adoption. He came in to the orphanage. He signed the papers. He paid the price. Amen? But the adoption's not complete. That's why in Romans 8.23 it says, And not only they... But ourselves also, talking about groaning and travailing in this, in this creature that we have, this, this body of clay, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we that have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Well, you say, I've already got the Spirit of adoption. I know you do, but your adoption's not done yet. Then it goes on to say, to wit, the redemption of our body. You understand that? He's saying, son, I've signed the papers. I've paid the price. Hold on here in this orphanage just a little while longer. And I'm looking out the window. <laughs> Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up. For your father's coming to pick you up one day. And every, I'm sure every child that's been chosen by some parent in some orphanage, you know, they would hear a car come up. They run to the window. Maybe it's my dad. My new dad. Amen. My father. And then, oh, it's not my father. We've got to keep waiting. And we keep waiting. That's the life of the believer. We're in the orphanage. We've got the spirit of adoption. That spirit of adoption, we can cry, Abba, Father. He hears us, but he says, hold on, son, just a little while longer. A little while longer. Be, be a good testimony for me, son. You just be a good boy in that orphanage. You show them. You show them you've got a good dad. And that whole time, you're walking around to all the different kids and the ones that haven't been adopted, the ones that have been adopted. You're saying, can I tell you about my dad? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited he's coming to get me. Can I tell you what he's done for me? Can I tell you how good he is? Can I tell you the price he paid for me? Look at me. I'm nothing. I'm like Mephibosheth. I came before David. He says, Who, what am I but a dead dog? He says, David, why would you be kind to me? He says, because I made a promise. That's the same way God is with you because he made a promise. And that testifying and that walking with him day after day is the praise. That's the praise. 
Everything you do, everything you say is a reflection of your, your coming father, of the day where he's going to redeem you and bring you back to himself. And that day is going to come where the trumpet is going to sound and you're going to look out the window before you can even look out the window. You're caught up. And Jesus has come. You are redeemed. Let me take you home, son. Amen. Oh, he, he's going to prepare a place for us. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. What a wonderful truth that is. You see, he says, I formed you to be praised to me. He didn't leave us here to be mean. He didn't leave us here to cause us problems and let us suffer. He left you here so you could show the world who your father is and tell them how good he is. See, that's why Thanksgiving is so important. If you're not a thankful person, you're not being any testimony to your father. You're crying, you're complaining about life. Oh, I don't like this. I wish this was over. You know, people are looking at you. Wow, I guess you're not really looking forward to your father coming. You understand? That day is coming. Until then, guys, pick yourself up in the morning. Say, you know what? Today I'm going to show this world who my father is. When you go to the gas station, you look at people square in the eye, And you just tell them, hi, how are you doing? Can I tell you something about my father? You know what they're going to start thinking? Well, I'm in the orphanage too. And is there more fathers like yours? See, yeah. See, my father, he wants to adopt everybody. (laughs) He wants the whole orphanage, you know. So you can walk around the whole orphanage and just go to every kid. Do you want my dad? He wants you. (laughs) And show them how good he is. Why would they want to come to him if you're showing that you're not even thankful for him? Why would, why would they even want to follow you and say, yeah, I'll go to your father. Your life is that praise. That's the testimony. Amen. Let me encourage you to praise him with your adoption. Praise him with the purpose that he has called you to. Praise him with that. Amen. Praise him with the inheritance that he's left you. That spirit inside of you, if you're born again, there's nothing you cannot do that God's asked you to do. You have constant communication with God. You've got the power of God to do whatever you want. You've got the gifting of God. Through that spirit that's in you, there's nothing he's called you to do that he's not going to give you the gift to do it. Amen. Here I was, I was a little timid kid in the orphanage, and he's saying, go tell them, son, and Oh, I, don't want, I can't do that, God. Oh, Father, he said, no, no, I give, I've left my inheritance with you. I've left you my earnest. Trust me. And I began to allow the Lord to work in my heart. Now, I failed too. I don't want to brag on myself. That's not what this is about. I just want to show you how it works for everybody. Amen. As we allow the Holy Spirit of God control of our life, that gifting will come out. I remember the first time I got up behind a pulpit and they asked me to preach to some youth and, and I, I took something from Ecclesiastes and just preaching. 
I fasted. I thought, you're crazy asking me to preach. It wasn't long after that, my pastor came to me. He says, I want you to preach in church. I says, what? 300 people at that time. I said, oh, that's too many. <laughs> you know? Oh, I was so nervous. I said, oh, I can't do this. So you know what I did? I, I went to the Father. I did. I, over and over, I said, God, please, <laughs> you give me. And I fasted. I fasted and prayed that God would give me the ability to give them a message. And I thought, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not like my pastor. I'm not like these other guys. I'm not like these great. We had sword preachers coming in. We had Raymond Barber coming in. We had Clyde Box coming in. We had Shelton Smith coming in. Uh, all these great preachers. <laughs> these old-time preachers. I'm just sitting there. And you know what? God did a work. Through my weakness, his strength came through. And the Lord began to open doors and put me through. That's the mystery of the will. Amen. In order to do that, you need to grab a hold of that inheritance. You don't have it all yet. It's going to come. But you've got a lot. You've got a lot. That spirit that's inside of you it can make you the father you're supposed to be, the mother you're supposed to be, the church member you're supposed to be, the pastor you're supposed to be, the son you're supposed to be, the daughter you're supposed to be. All of these things are available to every child of God if you want to be that. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Living to the praise of God's glory. Living to the praise of God's glory. Let me ask you this. I know it's fearful. I know some things are, are not easy to step forward in. But I'm wondering if you're willing today, if you're in the orphanage, and you are, you're either an orphan that has been bought and paid for and waiting for the Father, or you're an orphan that has not been bought and paid for. And I want to encourage you to come to the Father. Be saved. Trust Christ. Now, if you are saved, then you've got a purpose. And that purpose includes the Holy Spirit of God giving you everything you need to be what you're supposed to be. And I wonder tonight if maybe the Lord is speaking to somebody's heart. And maybe you've been battling. You've been maybe thinking about career, money, this, that. But you haven't been talking, thinking, and praying about the eternal will of God for your life. That which will impact eternity. And maybe tonight you just need to talk to God about it. Say, Lord, I'm willing. You've done so much for me. Before you come back to get me, I want to praise you to this world. I thank you, Lord.